Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shri Vigvani, and today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Glenn Galehood. Dr. Galehood is the founder of Mission to Heal, a nonprofit global medical missions agency that heals underserved people and trains local practitioners in the most remote and needy areas of the world. He also works as a professor of surgery at George Washington University Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and is a member of numerous medical, surgical, and international medical societies. So, Dr. Galehood, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Shiva, for your invitation. I really appreciate it. Great. And so do you mind, in your own words, giving us a, a bit of your background, how you decided to pursue a career in medicine, surgery, and then what inspired you to found Mission to Heal? Uh, a very simple question, right? <laughs> I actually thought all of my life that I would like to do something and make some differences in other lives. And how to do that? Through the arts or through the sciences? What is the application that would best resolve human problems? And as fascinating as physiology and uh, all the other components of medical arts are, how do you get directly to the heart and soul of a person who is in the need and, and wanting? When we look at the people around us, there are needy people on both left and right sides of you right now. And perhaps if you're looking at me, you also see one. So what can I do that might share that burden in some way? It turns out, there are a lot of folk in the world that have not nearly the advantages we do. Well, what do we do? Do we send it to them, drop it from a helicopter or? No, actually the people best able to take care of problems are those who bear them. And maybe we can enhance them in the ability to do so. So I am actually the kind of fellow who goes out there to say, I'm not here to show you poor ignorant folk what you really should. Tell me, how come it is that we have problems you don't seem to have developed or you've already handled them. You're so much better at coping with this than we are. By the way, we know a couple of things about how to enhance your care here. Maybe we can swap. So I never go out there to teach alone, but to mainly learn. I think it was one of the US senators who just said, you have two ears and one tongue, act accordingly. So our goal is as a medical educational enterprise to get on out there and to enhance the care that's given by those who are obligated to do so. And it's not at all a one-way street. I learned from them what they know and we don't. How to take care of bigger problems in larger numbers with far fewer resources. Because in our society, never have we been able to do so much to so few who are so little satisfied with the result. So can it be that we learn from them something about the humanitarian component of medicine for those who are in need and bring that back? That's very interesting. And so, I mean, you, you certainly have made a big impact already. You know, you're trying to reach the bottom billion in terms of socioeconomic status and, and access of the world. Can you tell us a bit more about some of your you know, most memorable experiences on, on these medical mission trips? Yeah, anything you can quantify in terms of the impact you've had as well at this point, you and your teams? <laughs> Every one of them is impactful. Every one of them is memorable. In fact, I try to help by putting a few of those memories under hard covers. This one is, the title is Furthest Peoples First, and it describes what we do out there. There's a simple definition of those who are disadvantaged, those who are in a position such that they cannot achieve easy access to something. The geographers call a pole of inaccessibility 
the central part of a continent that has no access by air, rail, road, can't get there from here. Well, there are several of those in Africa, for example. There's one right in the center of Africa. And I actually described that once. It's in a spot now called the Central Africa Republic. And there's really no access to it geographically. But look around us. Everywhere around us, there are people who have no access. They don't speak the same language. They don't have the same appreciation. They are on the other side of the great digital divide. They may not have gone to the right school. They have a religious or some other objection. They're in the wrong political party. So the bridges that we have to make over these synthetic barriers that separate people are something that I'm after. So in essence, when we say get to the furthest peoples first, that doesn't mean we're going to come on over there and dump health care on them because we don't know enough to do that. I think only politicians would make this arrogant statement. We know what's best for you. Wait, you don't even know me. And how is it that I can enhance and not interfere with those relationship skills that they use in place of stuff? Memorable experiences, every one of them. One of them was a woman who came to me with a veil. Now that's not uncommon because most of the women in some areas are veiled. But there were flies buzzing all over this veil and I could see that there's something special. And I have to look at her eyes to determine what's happening. And she's looking at me quite worried because she fears when she drops that mask that I will recoil in horror as everyone else has because her face is eaten away. And there's this very large fungating tumor growing from it. And I looked at it with some degree of fascination and said, hey, is there a possibility that we can get around that? We could do something to help it? Not sure, but mother of four with a husband who died of a wasting illness several months before that had never been diagnosed. And she does turn out to be HIV positive as well. So what had happened is that with her lowered immune status, this tumor just grew. So although I had some reservations and everyone around me did, we took on her care and had a resection and took out this very large fungating mass. And I said, well, that is probably overreach. We shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. And I tried to teach those locally and help them understand how we would do this. And yes, she came back to visit me, having born two new children, smiling with a reconstructed face, all in one stage of reconstruction. I report that because those are the sort of memorable instances in which I report to you something that you would consider a success, and at least we can take a picture before and after and say, seems like there's been some improvement. How about this? There are people who have come to me and have held onto my hand and said in their language, thank you. I didn't do anything. They said, but no, you cared and you tried. We knew it was too late. We knew there was no option, but you didn't turn us away. So I give you the, the pluses and the minuses. What I would consider those that weren't very successful turn out for them to have been a bridge that they built in my direction. The nobility of this is not so much one person like an ET falling from outer space into that environment through a parachute. 
No, it is their nobility in trusting me to take over some of their most important life functions with the hope that they're better. Speaking vowels <laughs> rather than the consonants of data. Do you trust? Can you understand? Do you realize I'm not exploitive and I'm not? Maybe I can help you understand this a little better and we can share this experience. We uh, are going through a shared human experience. Quite powerful. What country did you meet that woman who had HIV and had a resected tumor? Where was that? That was at the Pole of Inaccessibility in Central Africa, once called the Eternal Empire of Central Africa, now called the Central African Republic, torn apart by many civil wars and many different things. Essentially, as I look around, there are religious and political and other differences. But one of the big differences that you and I understand immediately, Sheila, and that is the haves and the have-nots. And you and I have. What do you do about that? It doesn't keep. <laughs> so how is it that you can share or use or in other way relate to people without them exploiting you or you saying, well, this is good enough for African standards. There's but one standard of care in the world, and that is what care would I want for me or my immediate family? And how is it that I can get that to them? And it's not likely that it'll happen from an external hand from a foreigner. It would be from a caring individual that's better trained, more educated, who has judgment. And this is the sort of resource we're after. I wish not to go there and come back and say, Shiva, I just did 178 operations, fully for me. I want to come back from the most recent mission and let you know. 178 operations were done, and I did none of them. And I assisted the last dozen of them without even putting on the gloves, because we have a two-table theater, and I say, I'm over here, you're over there. It's just like the ones we had helped you through before. You let me know, and I'll come and shuffle. We'll do this one together, and you're going to lead that one. And I'm not there to teach followers. I'm there to create new leaders that they might be able to do better. I don't want to have a successor. I want someone to supersede me, and they're better adapted at it. That's fantastic. Yeah, increasing healthcare capacity in those those regions. You know, one thing that's very important to us at Osmosis, we have a, a big global health mission where we've provided a lot of free asynchronous online health education to medical students in Syria, to schools in Rwanda and Malawi, and other places to help improve capacity in those areas. And so definitely your mission to heal resonates, the, the mission of Mission Hill resonates with us. You know, one reason we started this podcast is around the need to increase healthcare capacity as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. What are your thoughts on how these other regions have been affected or not been affected by COVID-19 and, and how we can further strengthen their healthcare capacity of this pandemic and beyond? 2020 is unique for several reasons, one of which you're already very aware. And osmosis, you know that this is seven months in to something we hadn't had experience with before. But here's another reason. The Millennium Development Goals helped out the nutritional and extreme poverty of that bottom billion so that the people on earth have actually improved at that lowest level, nutritionally, immunologically, because of the availability of some programs that were taken on by private and public partnerships. 
such that this is an unusual era. At the same time we have a pandemic, this is the first time in human history where the majority of the mortality in the world was not due to plagues and pestilences. It is now subject to surgical control. That means a woman with a ruptured uterus could care less whether there's a virus extant. A man with an obstructed hernia in sub-Saharan Africa is going to die of something that no one needs any research into. The number one through five causes of death on the planet, my students say to me, well, that's easy, heart, cancer, stroke. <laughs> you have to be wealthy and you have to live long enough to develop them. I say, it's a damn shame. Diarrhea, acute respiratory, malaria, malnutrition and measles are the five causes. Do we need any research on what causes them? Do we have any means that can intercept all of those? Yes, we do, and they're not big ticket items. To date, the pandemic that we are suffering has not reached them because they have very little contact with the outside world. However, they have endemics that make our pandemic look pretty small. So yes, there are cases of COVID. The cases of COVID have not spread to the extent that they have here. There is a susceptible population in the way that we have here, such as nursing homes and crowded facilities and environments, not so much there, but those that have immunosuppression for another disease for which there's an antiviral program that has already supported them and brought them up into full reproducibility. The young lady I just showed you came back to see me to say thank you, carrying her two new children. Not only after a diagnosis of immunodeficiency disease, but after a subsequent complication of it in a very malignant disease that was treated presumptively for cure. But she's supported by a continuing process. Her family and her society around her, with a little help from the outside world, that sort of instructed her that she didn't have to be fatalistic about this disease. And that's the one thing, I mean, coming in with a, more degrees than a thermometer to say, I'm going to try to help teaching you when you realize you're learning from someone who's never been in school. That is a powerful experience. And I summarize that, or the students that have been with me have actually taught me this. And this is transformational learning. No one says, oh, I learned a lot. I got lots of new facts. It's so obvious it doesn't need saying. All 2,300 that have been surveyed in the half century I've been taking them have said, I will never be the same. My whole life has changed. And that's what I call the gifts from the poor. The people that are teaching us are those that we thought we were there to help and to teach and found out we are just fellow learners. That is powerful, very powerful. And that scale of over 50 years, 2,300 people you've taken on these trips, clearly who, who you've impacted in many ways, I'm sure many of them have returned and done more. The people you've trained on the ground in these areas to do surgeries and, and equip them, what are your thoughts about how to keep them motivated, engaged, resourced in those areas? Because I know one issue that we've faced too of, about providing free educational resources in these areas is the prospect of brain drain. <laughs> and so would love to hear your thoughts on brain drain and, and how, how you think about that. I am not the hook and ladder that's gonna get them out of that environment. I am not at all interested in being their exit visa. And as a consequence, I look for the go-to people 
who do you go to with this problem? Find that person. Typically, they're related to, these are uncles and cousins of theirs they're dealing with. It's not someone that came from a big city. These are fascinating people with a lot of problems that have common solutions. They'll be adapted differently and let them do so. I'm not the one to tell them how it should be done. And backing up to the first statement that you made, which is, I'm sure a lot of people have been going with me and a number of people on the ground. I score myself by the people we leave behind that are graduated. They come to full and better understanding of and more capability. However, here's one thing, if there's going to be a tombstone epitaph, here would be the survey, which I didn't do, someone else did, since I'm not the bean counter type. They went through the number of people that had been with me and they found this following statistic, which is of that number you just cited, not one of them has not gone back. This is more addictive than crack cocaine. The experience itself tells you, as any good travel, any good exploration does, is an exploration of self. And they are better motivated, better capable of maintaining and understanding a good deal more about life by seeing someone whose perspective is totally different, yet they have come to some resolutions of problems we haven't yet developed and never developed some that have come to us because of our technology. Now, the other part of this that you mentioned is technology because osmosis is very well wired. One of the things that I know about is that there are two functions that my mobile units have with telemetry and widescreen. You've already done telehealth. I've even done telepresence surgery. Here's the one thing that it does too. Monitoring and mentoring. You don't have to come to Washington, DC. I'm looking at you and your patient right now and it seems to me that that's a problem that you're better capable of handling than we are here. Tell us how you would do it and what resources you would use in doing so. Because here, we would expend glorious numbers of resources, none of which would be effective. So therefore, tell us how you manage this. So the two-way street, once again, technology has facilitated the communication. It's more rapid. But remember, it is led from each end. That's fascinating. I mean, you preempted my question around telehealth and and the impact that that can have. How you've been using it for years, but this year, obviously, with COVID, it's been adopted and even more widespread than we could have imagined here in the U.S. We're coming up in time, but I, you've mentored so many current and future healthcare professionals. I'm wondering what your advice to them would be to meet the challenges of the COVID nineteen moment and beyond. We are all learning, and we are hopefully doing something to adapt not only our own responses, but also to help others. If, for example, the typical response under threat is isolation, and I don't want to be contaminated by any of these other people because they're all carriers of some noxious elements. Well, so am I. And as a consequence, how can we get through this, as everyone says, together? Well, you have to know those others in order to be together with them. You have to understand that they are bringing to the table solutions to problems we may not even have realized as yet. So what is it that we can do with them and learn from them? Well, one of the things they do without a lot of stuff, without a lot of capital and without a lot of technology, they have to rely on relationships which are stronger in their instances than ours. They look at me aghast to know 
that I live at some remove from my family members. One son in Gainesville, Florida, I have one in San Antonio, Texas. How is that possible? Because how do you solve their everyday problems and, and help them? Well, some of this stuff that we're gonna leave with you, the screen I've just given you, <laughs> is going to be linked to mine over there. And we can still hold our hand without touch. Better than hand sanitizer. It's a whole lot better so long as we can relate. We are not isolating you. We are, in fact, continuing. We do not make a vacuum that creates a great hole when we leave. It has to be supported. We are starting a relationship with you, and we hope to continue this and committed, if you are as well committed toward every day, taking better care of each new patient than we did the one before. That's in true on my side as well. I will learn more from you and how to manage my patients as you are learning a bit from me. And here I thought, I was just learning and you considered me your teacher. Remember, the most potent teachers are the ones who've gone through the experience and coped with it. Wow, and that, that brings us back to gifts from the poor or gifts from anyone really, but the, the poor are obviously the ones who, who've given you and the thousands of people you've taken on these trips some, some really memorable gifts. So, we're at time, but I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us in the podcast today, and more importantly, for the work you've done to reach the furthest people and provide care to them. Well, thank you, Shiva, for your motivation and also for osmosis, and keep up the good work. Thanks so much. And with that, I'm Shiva Glani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs>